totally insane tape show this week is brought to you by Pakari Sweat and Hello Panda. For when you want to tell that kitty to go fuck itself, Hello Panda. Listening to the Tits podcast will not make you smarter, wiser, more sexually attractive to the opposite sex, make you more popular at parties, or get you into the backstage area at a Motley Crue concert for free. For that, you need actual tits and not a podcast called Tits. Tape show a podcast that talks about the hits, the shits, but most importantly, the tits of the movie world. I'm your crime fighting, cereal eating superhero Dino Peppers, and I'm joined by the big fluffy bunny wabbit. <laughs> That's right, it's Boulamont, and what's up, Doc? We'll tell you what's up. It's the latest episode of the Totally Insane Tape Show. outlandish characters in the history of professional wrestling. He had the real-life ability to hurt anybody he really wanted to. So, Bully, have you seen anything good this week? Uh, the only thing of note that I've really seen this week, other than our featured movies, um, was a documentary about the Iron Sheik, the professional wrestler, um, which was really interesting. He's a, he's a strange character, um, and uh, they were talking not only about his success in professional wrestling and how he came over to the, to, uh, to the USA... Um, but also his post-wrestling career and um, his kind of newfound fame as a Twitter and social media icon. Um, very interesting, um, very likeable man. I've, as a, we don't want to talk about wrestling too much uh, this episode, but as a fan of wrestling, uh, of course I'm aware of the Iron Sheik and I used to find his shoot interviews, his uh, his real interviews, really really funny. And um, it's uh, it's sad at times, it's hilarious at others. So I I'd, I'd recommend. Um, the Iron Sheik, the movie. Is he the crazy Sheik that is in the uh, shoot interviews where he's sort of blasting everyone saying that we all This guy's a motherfucker, that yeah. guy's a motherfucker, I break his back, fuck his ass, make him humble. So is he really like that? Not really, no. <laughs> of course not, no one's really like that. So do that explain how he becomes that kind of character? You actually do, yeah. You actually see the whole way that it all, it all started. Um, with the, with the Twitter thing, it was a, it, the film is made by a friend of the family, um, and you can tell because it is it is like portraying a member of your family. They they don't go very they try not to be very controversial. Um, they talk about his drug use, which he's over now, and it came up with a great line, which is uh, the white medicine, the green medicine, the, uh, the 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 powder medicine. And I didn't know that all the medicines had different different names. Um, White, green, green, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's actually quite a touching film, and as I said, it's made by a friend of their family, so you can you can see that there's a lot of love and respect there. And um, is it on general release at all? 
It's on video. Or... It's on video demand at the moment, but it is going to be brought out for general oh, release. Cool. Um, but yes, I, I I I like the Iron Sheik. Um, the guy that made the film obviously knew him very well. It was an Axis All Areas style thing, and I learned more about Iran, the country. Then no, 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 you, you laugh, but I I didn't realize um, there was a, 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 a Iranian wrestler called Takti, and he was considered like their greatest athlete. And in fact, he had so much influence that um, although this isn't the official line, he committed suicide, bunny ears, in his hotel room um, because they were worried that he was going to start a revolution and overturn the Shah because he was so popular. And when his funeral procession was being carried through, nobody believed that he committed suicide. And they were all going like, death to the Shah, death to the Shah, you know, takti forever. And that's actually why... Um, the sheik came over to the country because he realised if that's how they treat their champions he doesn't want to be there he wants to be where they respect their champions um, uh, so he found a home in America but again highly recommend you track down the Iron Sheik the movie insert random swear words here fucking bullshit okay I've had like a really busy time on the movie this uh, couple of weeks actually uh, first one I um, want to mention is Primer have you heard of this one at all? Or? Is this that? Is this a time travel movie? Yeah. I have heard of this film. I think the premise is fucking interesting. Yeah, the whole idea is um, you can, a couple of guys create a time machine. They're like developers. They're trying to develop something else and they accidentally invent a time machine. But you have to be inside it to go back in time for a certain amount of time. So you have to stay inside it for, say, 12 hours to go back an entire day or two, three days. So in, in reality, they exist in two places at the same time. So when they're going back in time, they can't actually exist in the real world. So they have to turn off mobile phones, have no contact with anybody they know for messing up the space-time continuum kind of thing, because you're existing in two places at the same time. Insert cricket noises here. <laughs> yeah, it is a real head fuck of a movie. It's, you watch it first time and you're like, I don't know, because they don't simplify anything whatsoever. All the science is like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And you're kind of trying to keep up with it and you're hoping they explain it later on down the line, but they don't. There's no simplification of it. They explain how they go back and they have to create a big enough space for them to go into so they go inside it and sleep for so many hours. And they go back a whole day and they make money on the stock exchange, but they make it in small amounts so it's not noticeable. Yeah. Because you suddenly make a big load of money. It's like you can go back and win the lottery. It's a bit... I suppose I could get away with it. But I think Lottery, yeah, why. one win. But like, if you went back and suddenly you're a st- like with no previous um, stock holding, and then suddenly you're a millionaire, yeah, it would be very suspicious. Yeah, and then it gets really even more complicated. Where it's one of them does something which messes up slightly, so they have to go back to repair what they did before they started time traveling. But the other guy finds out about something else, so he goes back even before that guy creates something. So the, they're actually going back and taking over their bodies or their lives from before they started going back in time anyway. So they exist more than... So there's maybe two or three of them walking around. So a very basic concept for this film then. Yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's a complete head fuck and it was made like the smallest budget possible so the acting's not brilliant. The sound and editing's a bit off here and there. Is it, is it a British or American? It's American. It's American. Yeah, but it's one of those films you kind of have to watch twice. First time you watch it, you go, that's really good. 
I don't know why it's good, but it's good. And the second time you watch it, you catch on what happened, where and who is this, where and which time space continuum. Yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend. I mean, you've got the $400 billion, you've gone to charity route, you have this perfect 100 room mansion with matching his and her yachts and helicopter pads. How do you feel you're good? What do you do? totally reminded me by mentioning that movie that I did actually see another movie yesterday in fact that was so forgettable that I forgot I'd seen it and that was the new Johnny Depp film Transcendence um, like really interesting ideas but just couldn't pull it off at all is that the one that's got a really it's a really big budget one it's massive it doesn't look like it's got a really big budget it, yeah this is the one where it's about a man who um, he, there's an assassination attempt on his life and he's dying because the bullet was laced with radioactive chemicals and uh, he has his on. entire uh, memory and being uploaded onto a to the, to the biggest computer in the world which is a quantum computer and um, it's basically about uh, the dangers of having intellectual self-aware artificial intelligence um, and the fact that it's so instantly forgettable should tell you all you need to know about this film the fact that I'd forgotten I saw it and I saw it yesterday <laughs> Um, all the actors do a fine job um, Johnny Depp is always good in whatever he's in uh, but this one what a great concept and just no story to pull it off in I'd love to see a really decent film about the first self-aware AI um, that isn't Terminator or, or Transcendence so um, I, I can't really recommend it I think as I said it's just a great concept but um, poorly poorly achieved uh, yeah I saw a film yesterday Cinema, uh, the double. So, um, was it Jesse Eisenberg and Mia whatever her name is? Mia Wachowski. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever her face is, they're in it. Uh, directed and written by Richard Iode. Oh, yes. Uh, Dean Lerner, excuse me. Um, but yeah, he's um, <laughs> yeah he's making the way into like big Hollywood films. Uh, the double, I'm not sure he's got it yet. He it was in that bit... neighbourhood watch one as well, wasn't he? Did you did you see that at all? It was an oh, American. Ben Stiller. Yeah, uh, it's like neighbourhood watch, I think. But yeah, um, he very good in the stuff he's in in the UK, and then uh, he was he directed the critically acclaimed movie Submarine. Yeah, I like that one. I haven't That's actually good. seen it, I must admit. And to me, he's uh, still the boss of uh, Dark Place Hospital. <laughs> yeah, I've recently watched that whole series. There is nothing better than an episode <laughs> than just sitting there and watching every episode of Garth Marenghi one after the other. Yeah. Um, so acting-wise, he's really good in everything he does. He has that kind of comic timing. The character is obviously always the same, I think. But slightly intelligent, but dumb. Yeah, yeah. So acting good, uh, writing, uh, submarine was really good. Uh, this one, not too sure about. I quite enjoyed it, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people will go, well, "What the fuck was that?" 
It's um, have you seen any trailers for this? I've not. I've not. It's Jesse Eisenberg is working in a dystopian type future, like a cubicle worker. Don't explain what he does properly. It's just data entry. Every day's the same. He has a life which is very boring. Nothing going on. You know, it sounds so much like a film, a sci-fi film from the early nineties that starred Sean Austin from The Goonies and Lord of the Rings about a dystopian future where intelligence is looked down upon. Like Everyone has to be the same intelligence and they all work the same kind of office menial jobs. Hey, not really about that. It's more he's working there and he's like the only young one there. Everyone's like quite old and they're just sort of data entry clicking away every day, going back to their studio flats at the end of the day and he just spies on one of his neighbours he's in love with. Uh, that is what you do generally if you fancy someone you get yourself a decent pair of binoculars yeah and then one night he sees someone commit suicide across the way and he just gets affected by it and there's people come in and say oh there's lots of suicides around blah 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 you don't think too much of it Um, and then one day at his workplace someone turns up who's the complete opposite of him but is exactly the same looks exactly the same as the name which is similar his name is Simon James. The guy's James Simon. Oh, so the double means the double, as in yeah, my, he's, my he's, oh, he's double. Exactly the same, but he's the complete opposite in terms of personality and very confident. Is it still played by Jesse Eisenberg? Yep. Oh, so it's, a, it's him. He's doing an Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really the nutty professor, though, is it? Nutty well, professor? Yeah, he's nutty professor Morgan. and coming to America. He does oh, uh, yeah. multiple roles. Take to chocolate! <laughs> but yeah, it's. One of those you kind of watch, and you're, it's very interesting. There's some very funny moments in it. Uh, Chris Morris pops up for a, a little cameo spot in now, which is really funny. Um, and but yeah, you can see how some people wouldn't like it. But it's, I'd, I'd say give it a watch. It sounds kind of interesting, and plus yeah. I like Richard Adam Yabi from the from the It Crowd. But yeah, it's in the cinema at the moment. You can grab hold of that. Uh, same as Transcendence. Um, I'd say check out the double though, because that's a smaller independent one, which needs the money more than Transcendence. Which yeah, is a waste yeah, of it. I, I, I'm in full agreement. I think um, I think I've possibly handed my money over to the wrong studio. Um, with the lure of Johnny Depp, isn't it? I mean, it's it, he's a very good actor, and he's in so much good stuff. But I forget that he's in so much stuff. That these days it's more shits than tits with uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, sadly. I want to see Johnny Depp in more tits. We all want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Advert. Hey, you got a call? Oh, it's not for me. I'll be looking high name Simon. It's me. How long have you been here, son? Just started, eh? Yes, sir. Seven years ago. Yeah, no, the creepy guy's here again. Hi, creepy guy. I'd like to introduce everyone to our newest co-worker. Please welcome... 
James Simon. Hey, kids. Sorry to interrupt this great show, but uh, I need to shield my shit. Um, I'm David Davis, uh, one host of the Milking It podcast, a weekly podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. We like nothing better than a natter on whatever's been going down. Do you, do you like Batman? Do, do you like wrestling? Do, do you like TV shows or gaming? Do you like movies? Of course you like movies, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to these guys, right? Well, well, join us on the Milking It podcast every week on iTunes or via facebook.com forward slash milking it. Become a milk jump on board and together with myself boo and jay we can take a peek at the week of geek join us on the milking it podcast okay so coming off the back of some shit movie news here we got some um a new one coming out called see no evil 2 oh if we're gonna talk yeah we're gonna talk we, about that one are we allowed to talk about the other one um well it, you can explain it I, I, i'll the, mention i'll mention the other one yeah go for it Oh, no, no, we'll talk about Sino Evil 2, but did you see that the poster for the new reboot of Leprechaun has <sighs> finally come out and uh, starring uh, that little bastard, Hornswoggle? We're talking wrestling again. <laughs> but yes, I'm definitely looking forward to Sino Evil 2 more so than the reboot of Leprechaun. I don't think Hornswoggle's better than Warwick Davis. <laughs> However, I do think that Kane, a.k.a. Sorry, Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, a.k.a. Isaac Yankum, um, made a good... Um, psycho killer. I've seen Sino Evil One. I enjoyed it. I think he he has screen presence, but then he's always had screen presence. That's why he does so well in the realms of professional wrestling. So tell me, what what have you what do you know about Sino Evil Two? Uh, it's going into production. It's uh, been directed by the Soska sisters, who've got such uh, films as Dead Hooker in the Trunk and American Mary under their belts. Yeah, I'm aware of these girls. Um, I've not seen uh, Dead Hooker in the Trunk or American Marys, but apparently American Marys is really messed up. It's quite good, but it plays more like a TV show. Okay. It has that thing of you introduce a character and then it changes slightly, and it's like, okay, this is a TV pilot. But then they finish it off, so and it's finished in such a dull, dead, wet fart of an ending. Oh. Yeah, it felt like a waste of time. It was such Endings a good premise. Endings are hard to write, though. That is the worst for writing. That's the worst bit but for me. But with this, I reckon if they did it as a TV pilot, mm. it would have worked better. Because the whole idea of that film was she gets, I think, yeah, she gets uh, brought into the medical community because she's a student and taken into the big parties the doctors are putting on. She gets drugged and raped, and the whole revenge thing was she drugged up the guy who raped her and mutilate his body and practice mutilations on his body to do body modifications so she became the best body modifier in the country so people come to her for certain things like taking off limbs and reattaching them the Soska sisters are actually in that film they're twins who want one arm to be taken off one and another arm taken off the other one and switched around so they each have the other one's arm fully working are they attractive at all? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're weird looking. They're weird looking. Very weird looking. But you, if you look at them, it's like they would be into that kind of scene. But they look like the, the, the naughty girls. Remember them? Was it them? Who am mm. I thinking of? Cheeky girls. There you go. Naughty girls. Oh, that's a different <laughs> film altogether. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, we go back to See No Evil 2. Uh, um, sorry, yes. Yep, that they're bringing back Jacob Goodnight, who's played by Kane. 
which is a bit weird seeing how they go for a PG crowd now with wrestling and they're now producing a film which is 18 which but is quite violent WWE Studios appears to be stuck in the realm of horror because their most recent production Oculus had a really decent opening weekend for a horror film I've not even heard of that one it's WWE produced um, it's called Oculus it came out last month and it was like number three in the American box office chart something like that three or seven but it was in the top ten which is the near which is obviously the biggest opening ever for a WWE produced film when you think of the lineage of WWE films past See No Evil um, stuff like Knucklehead and uh, and what was the other one with Triple H the not Guardian what do you call it when someone goes to a to like a <laughs> The, the, the prom and they have to keep oh, it on things yeah, chaperone chaperone there you go yeah but I've, yeah, that's terrible what was the one with John Cena where he's like a college wrestler um, whatever uh, it is it's shit it doesn't sell it only has three moves and you got the marine as well the marine the one with Ken- three of- yeah one with Ken Kennedy um, notice how big his career went after that <laughs> yeah so the the history of films isn't that great no it's not definitely tits mater- uh, shit's material tits Ye- material yeah yeah we have to watch that one what the marine yeah we could have a John Cena double bill you know that's not it's not I mean it's not a, 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 a stretch too yeah. far uh, of course uh, the, the biggest thing I remember about Cena Evil like um, backstage kind of um, stories being you know Biggest um, being the operative word there, I believe. The start of the film, they had Kane apparently masturbating with a three-foot penis. That was the original idea. Do you know how difficult it is to masturbate a three-foot penis? <laughs> That's why my arms are like this. <laughs> <laughs> Every time anyone beats you off, it's just terrible. <laughs> Got any other films or? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to beat Glenn Jacobs' three foot penis. <laughs> so wait, was it meant to be his dick? Yeah. The whole idea was Vince said I want him to be masturbating at the start of the film, and it's got to be huge. It's got to be, be grapefruits bigger than mine. Hello. What's that? A couple of other films I'd like to mention before we get into the main event. If you must, if you must. Uh, there's two documentaries about online activities. Uh, the first one was Catfish. I've heard of Catfish because of the MTV series that spun off from it. Yeah, so you know what the term Catfish means. Though. I do. It means uh, talking to someone online who you, you think you're having some kind of attraction to, and their photo and they are not who it, are not who they say they are, and the photo is not of them. It's basically. Um, Deception, online deception of dating, uh, through dating. Yep. So you don't need to watch the film then. I really don't need. <laughs> That's to watch pretty much it. If you know what it is, you don't need to watch it. Oh. If you don't know what it is, watch it. But then, if you've listened to this and you've just heard Boo's explanation of it, you don't need to watch it. So you just save two hours of your life. Two boobless hours. You can thank me 
uh, by sending us a message on Twitter. That's at Tits Podcast. Or, uh, or on the email at Tits, but totally insane tape show at gmail.com. One day we'll get this right. We will get it right, and we'll, you'll, you'll be able to find us. <laughs> and the other documentary was Life 2.0. I don't know this one. Which uh, takes a look at Second Life, the online game where you create a character and live out an alternative life in virtual reality. Oh. And this, and I know, this I know about because there was a famous court case where a guy was put in prison um, because he played a, a burglar in Second Life and he was going around robbing everything. Yeah, that's now, one, one be- of the things they had with they show one of the people he stole from. Just stealing data, and they said it's a physical. It's not a physical thing, so you can't be charged for it. But then they proved it was. It's because you buy it with real money, therefore it's of real value. Yeah, and that's the whole thing of. It's actually quite interesting. This one where it explains all this stuff, which I didn't realise fully. Mm. I mean, you play all the video games online these days. Yes. And you buy all the stuff, and I don't know what it's called. DLC. That's the one. I've dated myself by calling them video games. Video game add-ons, you know them things you stick on the end of it? How many floppy disks does it take? <laughs> yeah. What's a Steam? <laughs> don't know what Steam is. <laughs> but yeah, it follows a couple of people from that world. It's a one, the they create stuff and they sell stuff. And they made a really good living from it. But because this guy was stealing from them, and the market dried up... <clears throat> The whole market dried up with like buying stuff because this guy was just giving it away free. She had to get a job in the real world because she wasn't making money through the game anymore. Wow, what a shame! She had to get a real <laughs> job. But the thing is, she was making enough money to live on, which is it is essentially a real job. She's a graphic designer within the game, and she was creating clothing within the game, and she had to create an entirely new range of stuff to make money. It, it's yeah. Yeah, no, no. I'd I can... say it's, it's kind of more than just playing games. And like another guy in this was, he was a, uh, I'd say mid twenties, early thirties maybe, and he was playing the game as a teenage girl, which sounds really odd when you first hear it and you think uh, it, there's some dodgy stuff going on there. Is it because I haven't seen this film? But can I just take a wild guess? Is it because like when you play as a teenage girl? Uh, men tend to give you stuff. Was he given loads of stuff for free and did he have a really easy time of it? I'm just in my... I personally, faced with a teenage girl, would tell her to go home. You know, I'm too, <laughs> too old for that mess. But uh, but everyone knew he wasn't a teenage girl. Hey baby, what's your name? <laughs> oh, it's Barry in real life. But then they used voice modulators to make it sound like a creepy... You know it's, mm, it's Barry. <laughs> Yeah. But then it's like, oh, it's not a sexual thing. It's just you, he prefers to be a teenage girl in the game because he can. It's an interesting story to follow because he has his girlfriend who's like, I don't like what you're doing because it's just odd. So would men make sexual remarks at him and stuff? Don't really go into that too much. But it's like he makes friends in the game with other people who are men playing, playing as women. Yeah, fuck, playing as girls, like young girls, and it's like he said. Most of the people in the game who are young girls are actually men playing that role. Yeah. And the whole thing comes down to his girlfriend gives him the ultimatum of it's her or the game or that character. And he does this whole thing of having to kill the character off. 
At least he chose the real girlfriend. Like, oh, kudos to you, sir, for making the <coughs> right decision. But did he? Oh no! Did he really? Did he? Did he? Anyway, there's another life 2.0. I'm going <laughs> to check that one out tonight. It's yeah, there's another possible in there. They they have partners in real life, and in the game they're dating. Other people. Oh, so they're part- dating in the game, but they have partners in real life where they're married. Who aren't in the game? No, they're not in the game. They're, so they can date within the game. Yeah. So is it okay to date within a game? If you're married, you don't actually have any contact with that person. Um, it has that question in it, and then those two meet up, and they obviously seal the deal. And then it becomes a real-life problem rather than just a problem in the virtual reality. Does his missus know that he goes to meet up, or is it with a... With a... They find out. Fucking And hell. then they, get, they have to... Yeah, their partners leave them, and they meet up, and they live together in real life. And then you find out what happens in real life as to opposed to the virtual life. Because in the virtual life, you have so much stuff like you don't have uh, bills to pay. You don't have to do the pull the garbage out. And yeah, no, no. You don't have like, to go to work. Rea- reality sucks compared to the to the virtual to the vir- not just the virtual yeah. world, but the the imaginary world. I, yeah. I don't so disagree. They, they go into that as well, and you see how that plays out, and that's a very fun story as well. It sounds really interesting. I'll definitely check out yeah. Life 2.0. That one I'd take over Catfish because you know how that works out. Are uh, these all available on Netflix? Yes, yes they are. Excellent. I will be checking out Life 2.0 then. You can keep Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of those. Chicks think I'm amazing online and then I finally meet them and they're like, oh, you were the other guy in the photo. How are you? Nice to see I think her. I recognize you. It's a relief that when we finally meet, she is who she says she is, and even more beautiful than I imagine. Sometimes I feel like I've been waiting my whole life. Here we are, our second life is transposing into real life. I don't know if I'm going to be interrupted here. <sighs> that was my husband. Okay, it's time to put the first film in. That laboured breathing you hear in the background is um, Boo. Uh, 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 mm. uh, uh. <laughs> He's thinking about Jessica Rabbit again. That was one episode ago and I'm still... Oh. It's last week. Mr. Freedom. He stands for truth, justice, and the morally right American way. It's his red, white, and blue uniform that makes him a true hero. Don't worry that he rapes, beats, robs, and kills anyone who disagrees with him. He's the guy you should follow. The hero. The good guy. So everyone sing now. F-E-R-E-E-D-D-O-M. Spells freedom. <laughs> we fight for freedom for one and all. It's you and me, dum. It's ten foot tall. Freedom, freedom. Oh, can you see them? 
we always beat him with the Star Spangled Freedom. I described this film last week as an anti-imperialist satirical farce, which is a description I got offline, which is so much better than what I would have described it as, as an art house superhero story. It was made by William Klein, who's better known as a photographer and a documentarian. So the style and setup of the movie is quite unique in that each scene is almost like an art installation. It's very inventive and colour-coordinated, where the set pieces, like promotional rallies at the American Embassy, set out like a shopping mall. It's a very unique experience film-wise. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting into myself when I watched it, but I enjoyed it immensely. Um, Boo, what say you? Um, so you described it as an anti-imperialistic comedic farce? Pretty much, yeah. Well, it rhymes with farce. Um, I, I thought that this, um, this film was a, just a, an hour and... 20 minutes of art house, art house dross um, I get the arty bit um, I get that some of the cameos are from the artists of the time including Serge Gainsbourg of Jatem fame um, but I thought that the film got lost up its own ass within the first kind of half an hour to 45 minutes um, I lost track of what was going on um, and didn't realise for ages that the uh, the, the red um, the red Chinese Chinese imperialist bad guy was just a big inflatable um, dragon. Yeah, it was very strange. However, I will say it's got this going for it: loads of tits. And um, but uh, yeah, it was very strange. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it. The lead was meant to be unlikable, and he plays an unlikable person exceptionally well. Um, it was a very European flavour to it. I mean. Um, this is me trying to be nice. I'm, I, I must admit, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I found it very difficult to get through, which is surprising given the the, the, the other film that we, we're going to review this week, because I, I thought they were just both so awful that I kind of feel to blame having chosen one. But this this was definitely your fault. Um, yes, um, just a, just a <laughs> weird movie. It was like Andy Warhol tried to make a superhero film, not the famous uh, Spider-Man slash Batman movie he made if you remember that at all no no remember that one that really was an art house film lost <laughs> up its own ass. no just um, purely as a piece from the time I mean if you want to see the kind of hippie kooky um, art house era from the late 60s I mean this film was made in 1969 so you're coming at the end of the kind of um, hippies and freedom and love thing and, and going to more towards commercialism and capitalism, which is obviously what the film is against, they, they're coming out of that flower power era and into the era of money, and it's kind of got like a Cold War vibe as well. Whereas you've got the overbearing American who's meant to represent everything that is American, you know, freedom and um, that kind of thing. And yet, in the first scene, he's um, attacking a family of black people for stealing yeah. uh, and making them chant along. Uh, to the Freedom song as previously sung by uh, Mr. Dino Peppers sung funny years yeah yeah this was just a weird film just loads of sexuality in it uh, it kind of put me in mind of a Russ Myers movie if you remember those yeah uh, it was very much like that um, filmed in a similar way but it was just some of the wacky stuff I couldn't get over like the inflatable dragon representing <laughs> one of the characters um, yeah it was just very strange very surreal very art housey um but definitely not something I could sit through again. See, I actually I watched it and want to watch it again. Mm. It's odd for me. It's 
not something I'd go for usually and you read some reviews online it, it very much goes into your there's two categories online where it's like some people have your view where it's just it's crap it's dross and other reviews I can't even understand they're so arty mm. <laughs> so anti-imperialistic farce uh, I totally agree with you about the colours though everything's very colour coordinated you've got a lot of red white and blue throughout the whole film mm. I mean Mr Freedom's outfit's a mixture of um, an American football outfit kind of with a baseball vest and um, it just encompasses all things America but you're right the, the, the colour coordination and the actual art direction is obviously going to be top notch because of the people on board yeah and you see it's like uh, saying art installations where he goes into certain places and it's just a room that's bright red or just blue and it's like specific oh this is supposed to give you feelings of it's a communist thing or when they're meeting the communist characters it's very much like dark alleyways and kind of run down it's like showing oh this is really bad whereas the American ones like ticker tape parades and colours everywhere because America is good <laughs> and as I said the American embassy is actually a shopping uh, shopping mall I really like that part of it I think that's interesting um, some of the buildings were interesting in it um Something else that I thought was quite good was the way it finishes, obviously. It ends up with freedom destroying itself to be free. Now, we don't go in for a lot of symbolics, um, emphasis on the word bollocks there, uh, in the Totally Insane Tape Show, but the whole thing was meant to be an analogy for forced, forced peace and freedom um, by bigger nations like America. It's basically America forcing itself upon France uh, after the death of Captain Formidable. <laughs> you didn't like it then? No. You didn't um, like aspects of it, but not the film. I liked aspects of it. I liked the art direction. I kind of liked the idea of it. But as I said, I find it very difficult to watch because it was like one of those Russ Myers, faster pussycat, kill, kill kind of gimmicks. But with less boobs. Uh, with less boobs, um, but um, by no means worse boobs. I'll give you that thumbs up then. I... I because I, because I don't think I could ever sit through it again. I'm, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. I would. Um, I would look at bits of it on YouTube or uh, any other place where videos are available online for free, and um, and it maybe even give it the once through just to see what we're talking about. But generally, I would avoid um, avoid freedom as much as possible. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about myself. I guess you know who I am, anyhow. No, I'm going to talk about you and why we are fighting. If you're here tonight, it's because you love freedom. And if you love freedom, freedom loves you. Following is brought to you by 8oClockComics.com, the home of really mature comic books. Oh, hi, Tommy. What's up? Everybody betrayed me. I fed up with this world. I'm sorry to hear that, mate. What happened? You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Oh shit, man. She was so sexy in that red dress as well. Well, never mind. Come and give your old pal Booty a big hug. Don't touch me, motherfucker. Okay, sorry. Um, well, I, I know what will cheer you up. How about I tell you all about 8 O'Clock Comics? <laughs> Good thinking. 8 O'Clock Comics are the makers of fine comic goods. They sell commissions for art, t-shirts, original prints, and of course it's home to the devil dolls. <laughs> so... 
What do you say? We grab some cocktails, get a little bit pissed, and go to 8oClockComics.com and buy some crazily cool shit. I'm tired. I'm wasted. I love you, darling. Oh, man, I love you too. Better get some food in you first, then. You think about everything. <laughs> I know I do. Let's go eat, huh? I'm so happy I have you as my best friend. Uh... 8oClockComics.com. They draw stuff. Okay, that was Mr. Freedom. Let's get on to the other offering for this week. It's your choice this time. Don't rub it on. I'll get this off. Rub it on. Because of the because of the title. Of the... Get on with it. Sorry. Science made its greatest mistake. What unknown terror was born that night? What is the terrifying mutant? So we have killer bunnies attacking in Night of the Leapers. That's a uh, from 1972, it's a uh, science fiction horror film starring Stuart Whitman, who um, was nominated for an Oscar in 1961 for his role as a child molester in a different film. Uh, Janet Lee from Psycho fame, Rory Calhoun, whose only other recognisable credit is the Roddy Piper classic Hell Comes to Frogtown, and most famously DeForest Kelly, Bones himself in his last role before starring on Star Trek. There you go, little known fact for you. It's about members of a small Arizona town who were attacked by killer rabbits. Um, that is the description. There is no more you need to know than a group of people in a small Arizona town in a mining community are attacked by some killer mutant fucking rabbits. Um, the special effects are second to none. Um, I think what it boils down to is... The, the special effects are miniatures done with actual rabbits to create the illusion of giant rabbits. When the rabbits are actually meant to be attacking people, it's people in suits. So you've got like the double bullshit um, special effect. So it's not just shitty man in a suit. It's also shitty miniatures being used. But sadly, the special effects are probably the standout thing to take away from the movie. Um, it's got stodgy acting. And a, and a little girl who you pray for her death all the way through the movie. Um, Janet Lee just phoning it in. Just because you were in one successful horror film, you're like, fuck this. Uh, I might as well just play the same role in everything. Night of the Leapers. Dean, um, I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it more than Mr. Freedom, I can tell you that. But that is no benchmark for any kind of quality. No, I, I didn't know how to take this film. It is it, the idea is pure comedy. I mean, rabbits as a, a force to be scared of, even if they're giant. No, no. And it is just the idea is like what's happening on screen is supposed to be scary, but it's funny. But then they're not playing it as a funny scenario. I was expecting the Monty Python team to pop up at any moment throughout the entire film. And I'm not just talking about the the, 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 the rabbit from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, 
literally even the the special effects scene when the rabbits are running through the miniature i really expect there to be like a gang of old ladies with their <laughs> with their rolling pins and um you know just, just a bigfoot crushing the whole thing at the end that was the big problem with it it's a really stupid idea so you're expecting one thing and you get another with the acting which is really slow and boring and like a pedestrian pace on it sorry boulamont is eating here do not tell the people. I'm actually having rabbit pie um, just because I I, 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 dis, I disliked Night of the Leapers so much that I thought I would take it out on their distant relatives. Um, full, full break in there. Um, yeah, it reminded me of a South Park episode, The Startling. <laughs> I'm so startled. Yeah, but then that is played for laughs. Of course. And if they played it like that with giant rabbits, it would have been a good film. But because it's so boring and then funny, then boring any time humans go on screen and try to act. Plus, I wanted to punch that little girl. Yeah, because she's the cause of the entire thing. It's like if she was she there. rescued the fucking. It's her fault. You're damn right. Yeah. This is an alle- It's an allegory. Little girls will destroy the world. Children are nasty and horrible and should be destroyed. Mr. Freedom wasn't the only film we watched this week with a message. Uh, Mr. Freedom is saying that freedom is not always free. Whereas Night of the Lepus is saying, "Holy fuck, giant bunny rabbits!" It's just an allegory for life. Yeah, I, it's put up there as one of the, the worst films ever, but. I wouldn't put it in the category of being one of the worst uh, good bad movies. It's definitely because it's not good enough, well, not bad enough to be good. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're going. It's just with very this. boring. I mean, the whole idea if they re- replaced. I suppose you could actually take all the bits of the actors out of it, get all the bits of the rabbits, and film new scenes entirely, and you can make an entirely new film. I mean, there, there was one standout bit where the rabbits attacked the town. And um, the, the, the other, the, this is my problem. Like, again, it's of the time, but who was the movie made for? Because it's not scary enough to be um, a horror film, but it's also a bit bloody in certain parts, but more enough to not be a kid's film. Like, it's, um, it's definitely got an identity crisis. It's like, just the opening scene, you have the stock footage. Of Which, all the, the, yeah. the rabbits in Australia. Yeah, and they're like, carrying out dead rabbits. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this to kids because it's warship downish. Right, If you get rid of those scenes, the rest of the film you could bring a kid in to watch. But they're not catering towards kids because the kids would just bored off their asses. Yeah. They, they're certainly not enough to keep anyone entertained. In fact, the last word you could use to describe this particular movie is entertaining. Um, it's as I said the special effects sadly probably the standout part um, the miniatures yeah the miniatures it's where they're sneaking around the town it's three quarters away from the movie and you look through the window and there's all these bunny rabbits just sitting around a a miniaturised version of the store it's, uh, yeah I don't know how <laughs> that is supposed to be menacing in any way because they're big <laughs> You see a bird in the sky, it's pretty scary. If you see a giant fucking bird, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it to bunny lovers or lovers of film. Do you know this marks the second consecutive episode with a bunny rabbit film? I said I'd like to see a crossover between Wardship Down and Roger Rabbit in the last episode. I think this definitely needs a le- uh, Lepus 
<laughs> versus Wallace and Gromit. Um, yeah, it needs a remake, but done in a spoof way. Yeah. Um, very like much... I said, you could actually take the footage for the rabbits and make an entirely new film because they don't interact at all. Aside from the scenes where you have the men in the bunny suits, which aren't convincing whatsoever. I suppose you remember that the, the, there's an original version of The Blob, and then there's the remake of The Blob, and the remake is sometimes played for laughs, hmm. just because it is so, because the premise is so out there that you have to have um, a bit of comedy in there. So you really, because if, it's, if, you're, if you can't take it seriously, then you have to have something in there to show that you can't take it seriously. Unfortunately, Night of the Leopards was played for completely straight. There was no gags. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was definitely more Watership Down than Roger Rabbit, definitely. Um, and ironically, I'd like to see it end up kind of like Watership Down in a, in a, and, and just to die in a, in a wave of myxomatosis. Soundtrack by um, Garfunkel and um, Simon. That would be beautiful. Mm. Shite eyes. <laughs> attention, attention, ladies and gentlemen, attention. There is a herd of killer rabbits headed this way, and we desperately need your help. So, out of the two, you take. I would which... take Night of the Leapers over Monsieur Monsieur Freedom, uh, over Mister Freedom, solely because I could follow that. I could follow what was going on more in that movie. But yeah, I, I definitely thought Night of the Leapers was slightly more watchable. Um, because I couldn't take it seriously whereas Monsieur Freedom obviously wanted to be taken slightly seriously it obviously had a message it was trying to convey and as I said their message was you know freedom isn't free kind of thing Night of the Leapers doesn't have a message it's just like look giant bunnies fucking deal with it <laughs> so for that reason solely I'm going for uh, Night of the Leapers you're probably not are you? no I'm going with Mr Freedom I thought so why? What, what, what was it about Mr. Freedom that you thought was better than Giant Bunny Rabbits? Surely, was it the inflatable dragon guy? Yeah, excellent. Batshit mental. It, to be fair, but it stayed at the batshit mental level rather than Giant Bunny Rabbits. Boring acting. I definitely give Mr. Freedom this. It does have the least likable main character of any movie I've ever seen. And the problem is, he see, he appeared to be a rather good actor too. Uh, he was good at what he was doing whereas the rabbits they didn't even realise they were in a film I think that'll do for for, for an episode of the Totally Insane Tape Show we've been rabbiting on for a while now <laughs> so we're going to give you your <laughs> freedom <laughs> Yay. Yay. that's like it writes itself so as always you can get in touch with us at Tits Podcast on Twitter the Totally Insane Tape Show at Gmail on the email or you can check out Totally Insane Tape Show com or titspodcast.com and you get through to the blog which has all the trailers of the films we've been watching as well as a couple of other little bits here and there there are treats for the eyes if and, you follow the tits yep and next show we're going to be doing a soccer special needs show that was the ball dropping yes soccer special needs show soccer special needs show I'm dropping this on you now Okay. Uh, we're going to be watching. Remember my rule. Remember my rule. I have one rule with football movies. Remember it because nothing will get me to watch that pile of shit again. Okay. The first film is going to be one that, uh, oh, on the Twitter, Shoot the Defense podcast recommended a couple of films to us. 
Okay, those um, that's the boys at Shoot the Defence, the top football podcast, yep, which is available it. on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else that good podcasts are available. Yep. Very much like the Milking It podcast, which is also available on iTunes. Stop Twitter. It. Stop sorry, it. sorry, sorry. Okay, milkingitpodcast.com. Yeah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, yeah, shootthedefence.com if you want to check those guys out, if you're into your football or your soccer or your kickball, whatever you call it. Uh, the first film is going to be one they praised, is going to be Damned United. Okay, is that, am I right in thinking that's Michael Fassbender? Michael Sheen, sorry, Michael Sheen, not Fassbender. I always I forget those two mixed up. Yeah, but Michael. Yeah, yeah, Michael Sheen. I've done no research on these ones. I'm guessing they're just about football. Yes, no, um, Martin to... Sheen plays a manager. It's a management movie. Not, yeah. yeah. As far as I'm aware. It's something to do with Brian Clough, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, football. Um, and then the other one's going to be Bend It Like Beckham. No, no, it's not. I'm not watching but even if it comes to the time of recording I'm not talking about Benedict like Beckham this movie is the equivalent of cinematic AIDS <laughs> insert clip of Tom Hanks saying I have AIDS here <laughs> do it I have okay. AIDS okay. thank you that's that's what happens when you mention Benedict like Beckham that's what happens my own dog could sense my pain when you mention Benedict like Beckham this this is your blooper reel this <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. All right, people. This is your mate Stell, host of the great football podcast known as Shooter Defence. Join me, John, Andy, Mike, Stuffy, and whoever else can be bothered to appear every Thursday night at 10.30pm. Mixler.com forward slash Shooter Defence. We're informative, opinionated, sometimes controversial, and have one or two facepalm moments. I have a dream. <laughs> Mr. Malcolmix. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, ah, and we have our own website, shootthedefense.com. Shoot the Defense. Play on. So that was this week's Totally Insane Tape Show, so next week it's a special needs soccer. I said that wrong, it's the special edition soccer version uh, brought to you in conjunction with the Shoot the Defense podcast. He's been Dino Peppers, I've been Boulamont. That's Coco. These films were shit. Join us next week. It's the tits. Rabbit, 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 I do not believe that any form of life, be it human, animal, or plant, should be hurt in the making of a television programme. So I personally feel very bad about the cat we killed. I had a cat once. I dropped a safer on it. It was a write-off, so I stood on its head.